the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, on the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw them buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Gretz got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretz with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw them bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Throw the bus on her face. Cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Big
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program. My guest this hour. Um, this is this is kind of interesting. It's not really a follow up to a recent interview, but I just had an interview with the editor in chief of a new uh, publication called the Continental Literary Magazine. And my next guest, who has been published in many many publications, including the New York Times, Vanity Fair, the Wall Street Journal, has an article in the the first edition i th- i believe it's the first edition the article is i'm here i'm disabled get used to it written by author and um writer judith newman who joins me by phone hi judith welcome to the show hi tom hi thank you so much for having me this is this is really unusual i'm I just I wasn't expecting the article to be in the Continental, and I just had Shandor on, like, this week. Oh, yeah. So so you've gotten, you, you've heard a little bit about the Continental and what it's like, and it's true. The, the article that I wrote, uh, it, it's not out of Central Europe. Uh, it's written by an American, and it's written by a phenomenon in America. So uh, that, that that makes it a little different. But they were really open to the idea of of discussing uh, prejudice in all its guises. That's what the first issue is about. And I wanted to write about uh, the disability movement and the prejudice towards the sexuality of people who are disabled. Um, and why did I want to do that? It was a subject, it was kind of of interest to me to begin with because uh, I have a son who's autistic uh, and a few years ago, I wrote this book called To Siri with Love. And in the pages of the book, I, I sort of, you know how you worry out loud on the page? And so I was worrying ab- about what's going to happen. I mean, I think he was he was 16 at the time. What's going to happen? Will he ever find love? Will he ever find a romantic partner? Um, and And a lot of people, well, not a lot, but a few people, um, kind of castigated me for that. I was going to say you uh, got they, some. They, they, the, I, you got some pushback on that, and and uh, it became, I, I think, very unintentionally controversial. It did. I mean, here I was. I was. I was thinking. I'm writing this this warm family memoir, <laughs> and suddenly I find myself like the, the, the Ann Coulter of, of uh, Twitter, <laughs> of, the, of, of the disability movement, and I had people, you know, putting in one-star reviews of my book, and I had people calling my house and threatening me, uh, and I actually had an online petition uh, of people who wanted to, uh, rem- autistic people, the hashtag actually autistic, who wanted my son removed from my care. So um, sometimes when you, you simply open your mouth and you, you try to be truthful about your own thoughts and feelings, uh, you, you get into a lot of trouble. I was called, a, you know, because I thought to myself, is he ever going to be able to have children? Should he ever have children? I was called a eugenicist and it, it, it all over the Internet and it, it kind of went downhill from there. So anyway, you can see I love why that. the subject of... 
I love the Sorry? title yeah, of I mean, the book, it, it, To Siri with Love. I, I, that got my attention right away. <laughs> I, I love that title. And I, I, I have to Thank ask, you. because you were talking about how, um, you know, people pushed back, not not just complaining or saying it was in bad taste, but, but actually trying to get some action started, getting, you know, your son removed from your care and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, you've been writing a long time. Is that kind of vitriol in the wake of a think piece like this or, or like that was uh, to Siri with Love? Is that some kind of new normal, and and should we be more worried about that? <laughs> well, it, that's that's a. It's interesting you say that because I think that the whole idea of of cancel culture that that we talk about um, is actually weirdly enough in this in the Continental. There's a piece by Noam Chomsky. And Noam Chomsky says that the, the tactics that used to be used to silence the left uh, are now used by the left, often to silence people who they consider, you know, aren't aren't hewing to the uh, heterodoxy of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In other I words, do. you disagree with with people on the left, and you find out that you're going to get in trouble. Um, so. Is that the new normal? I, how much time do you spend on Twitter? <laughs> because uh, it, it, it seems to be the, the new normal in certain kinds of, uh, in, 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 on social media, in, in certain venues. Um, I, I, and it was actually quite scary. It was, it was scary to, I had to you know, go to the police to report a couple of death threats. Now, my other son uh, said to me at the time, and, you know, he was 16 or 17, he, he said, Mom, that's what Twitter is for. <laughs> it's for death threats. He wasn't at all scared by that. So I don't want that to be, I, I, do you want this to be the new normal? I certainly don't. But I think that, that it, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes this happens. Um, but let me look at the other side of this, which is that, for people who are disabled, for people who are autistic, uh, for people who feel lonely, there is also the possibility of community online. It's just that it, sometimes it gets perverted into this kind of quote-unquote social activism, which just seems to be harming people, or which just, the goal of it just seems to be um, kind of, uh, you know, us against them and, and, and putting people down. And, and, and that's something that happens in the autistic community quite a bit because there's a certain uh, black and white way of looking at things. Uh, but, but anyway, that, that's, that's what, what brought me uh, to this subject. In, well, let me, in a let me ask sense. you about this subject. Uh, and, and at the risk of... of um... <laughs> Of, of stepping in the mud here a, a little bit. The idea of sexual prejudice connected uh, with people with disabilities had absolutely never crossed my mind. Well, here's the thing. It, and, this and, is one and way so, to look at it. And, and, and if that makes me, 
you know, unaware of what's going on in the world around me, so be it. But, um, but I was fascinated by the by the fact that that this situation exists and and uh, needs attention. Well, it is a civil rights movement in a way because if you and it's a civil rights movement that that gets some of its steam from social media, but. If you look at it this way, if you, if you know somebody in a wheelchair or you know somebody who has cerebral palsy uh, or any number of other physical disabilities, um, a lot of people tend to think one of two things. Uh, as one woman uh, told me, she writes a, a blog called The Squeaky Wheelchair. She said, you're either completely non-sexual uh, you don't have sexuality, or you're like a novelty item. And if you're in a wheelchair, I wonder what it's like to have sex with a woman in a wheelchair. There's no in-between. There's no just normal humanity, normal sexuality. And I think that that people who are disabled uh, would like us to, us, would like able-bodied people to, to look at this issue in a different way. And I think that they're absolutely right um, because we do tend to discount people. Now, here's the thing. You cannot legislate attraction. You never can, you never would. But you also can open your mind up a little bit to people who you may think you have nothing in common with because they've got whatever, a tick, or they, they walk with a limp, or whatever the thing is. You may think that you don't have anything in common with that person, and you may have everything in common with that person. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the need for a kind of almost, as they call it online, crip pride. Um, or, or there's a one woman who wanted to, uh, she, she wants to get going the term medically fascinating, which is just something I love. <laughs> um, I so can see I, why. I, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you don't have a disability anymore. You're medically fascinating. And I'll tell you something else. People who uh, have a kind of disability, they don't want that, that kind of, it, it, you know, as Bush called it, George Bush called it a long time ago, that soft bigotry of low expectations. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be patronized. Nobody likes, if, if you're disabled, you don't like that. Like, have you ever, do you know what inspiration, it's, they call it inspiration porn. Do you know what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, that? No, I don't. It's like, yeah, well, it's like there's, there are all of these memes online of like, you know, people with no legs running a race or people with no arms painting a, a, a photograph, painting a picture, and it'll have some sort of headline in it like, what's your excuse? Or, you know, it'll have the person oh, okay. uh, who, who's... I got you. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or there'll be, like, an a, a autistic person being taken to the prom. And that's supposed to... By, a, by a, a, a neurotypical person. And that's supposed to make us all feel warm and fuzzy and aren't we good people. Imagine how much disabled people hate that kind of thing uh, for the most part. Imagine how patronizing and offensive that is so that's the kind of thing I've, i'm talking about in this article does that make sense it does it, it makes absolute sense more with american journalist and author judith newman straight ahead
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with American journalist and author Judith Newman straight ahead. And I, I want to go back, if you don't mind, and and um, and just review very quickly uh, through through synopsis the um, to Siri with Love book. Sure. What what well, what exactly um, was that? that book about because obviously it it had to do with uh with your son being autistic well well how it started was that i wrote a piece in the new york times about my son was it's not like he couldn't talk he could talk but he talked in monologues there was no back and forth conversation with him so through a series of incidents he discovered, he heard me sort of looking at Siri and seeing all of these odd little things Siri could do. For example, if you say to Siri, you can talk to Siri and go, what's above my head? And Siri will come back with whatever planes are flying above your head at any particular <laughs> moment and what what airline it is and like what the altitude is. I don't know why it can do this, but it can do this. So he heard me do that one time, and he took my phone, and he started asking Siri all of these questions. And then it became a whole thing where Siri and he would have conversations. And so the book started just as a way of saying that for people who have problems with back-and-forth conversation, as my son did, he suddenly had this, this machine that would sort of endlessly talk to him and answer all of his questions and come back and believe me if you're if you have a kid whose interest is like sea turtles or or you know weather patterns in kansas or the kind of things that gus was interested in the time and you want to blow your brains out because you can't talk about sea turtles anymore you're very happy for for siri to be answering questions and getting him information so that's what it became it became a story about that and how it at I began, it, Siri became his like really good friend for a long time. And, and she, I, I had her in a female voice and, you know, I heard him say one time, ask Siri if, if she would marry him. And, uh, Siri just said something like, I'm sorry, Gus, I'm not the marrying type. And that was fine. <laughs> that was a fine answer, but it was an answer. And I had never that, at that point in time had any idea my son was interested. So, that was the start of it, and then I just began to write a book about, about the average kid, because most books about autism are about kids who are extremes. Um, they're either not verbal and self, you know, hurting themselves and self-destructive, or, you know, they're running NASA. There's no books about, about just, like, kids. So that, that was where that came from. Um, and the, the other parts of it that got me into trouble um, were because there's a movement among autistic people that, that don't think that mothers should write about their children if the children are autistic. And, you know, we could debate that all day long, um, but that, it, that, that's, that's the, the opinion that so-called mommy 
mommy bloggers and mommy writers are illegitimate. Be, because it's exploitive? Uh, I, I, in other words, that I was, I was upsetting, I was uh, invading my son's privacy. Well, I would argue that writing is an act of, in, in a sense, invading someone's privacy. And I tell you something, if you asked my son then and if you asked him now, he would turn to you and, and, and blink with his big eyes and say, well, I'm a, I'm a celebrity mommy. He loved being written about. My neurotypical son hated it. My my autistic son loved it. So there you go. Well, yeah. I, is it that people think that that somehow, uh, when people with disabilities are written about, that they're being exploited in some way? That's an excellent way to put it. Uh, yes. I think that that's true. In other words, if it's not the person with the disability who is writing about themselves and their lives, it's a form of exploitation. I think that I would disagree with that. I, I understand that point of view. Um, but I would say that not everybody uh, is, is capable of or wants to write about themselves. And there are people in the world who like being written about, who like being explained if they can't quite do it for themselves. So that's the other side. Uh, and, and I think um, that with this article, which is writing more about uh, sexuality and, and physical disability, uh, I, I, I don't know yet. I, I have not heard people saying that I, um, that, that this, that, that this was misrepresenting, and quite the opposite. Uh, I've heard some, for uh, several people who've just said, thank you for explaining something that is really not talked about very much in this country yet. Um, because the, the other part of this is uh, I'm talking about opening up our ideas about about sexuality to people who are disabled, but there's a financial and legislative part of this <clears throat> that I think we need to be thinking about. Take down the barriers uh, for people who are disabled. Um, what do I mean by that? In this country, let's say that you need a lot of extra help. Uh, you need caretakers to do everyday tasks. That costs a great deal of money. Uh, often, uh, if you're on disability, you're on Medicaid, uh, you need uh, SSI benefits, they will be covered. If you then marry, if you then have a partner who is able-bodied and makes, you know, just a small amount of money, just, just anyone, you know, a teacher or someone who works in Walmart, whatever, eking that puts out, you Just eking above out the a limit. living. Just eking out a living, that puts you above the level where you are then able to get that help. So think about that. A person who needs help all the time cannot have a, a partner uh, who makes an okay living because if they do, they lose all of their services. And then what are you doing? You're relying on your, your boyfriend or husband for all of your physical care. Is that how we all want to go through life? Do we want, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge impediment. And that's something that needs to be dealt with uh, on, on a, a legislative level in this country to give people 
essentially to give them their humanity back. Um, that, that, and that, that's what I wrote about, too. Well, and, and the idea that somehow um, people writing about these things, such as yourself, Judith, um, that, that somehow you're exploiting the people you're writing about and, and should therefore be canceled, why, how, how yeah. do we ever have these conversations without writers like you bringing these things to people's attention? Well, that, that's, it's so interesting because, um, as, as, I, as I was saying earlier, I think you can't even, as a disabled person, you can't make above a certain amount of money. So there are some people who are extraordinary writers who actually can't make income as writers uh, because when they do, they lose their services. So I, I, don't, have, I don't have a real uh, answer for this except that perhaps there, should be, there should, should be ways to bring down the barricades for both making an okay living and also having the services necessary for day-to-day life. Um, and as far as, yeah, being canceled for, for writing about people who are not exactly like you, for, for a kind of, um, I mean, I don't want to even say advocacy, because it's not advocacy. It's, it's simply um, talking about and having public conversations with, about issues um, that are not, that are not just about yourself, but are about, you know, friends, neighbors, colleagues uh, who, who may have disabilities and just may not be writers. Rather than advocacy, it's about raising awareness. Exactly. Oh, I'm so glad you, you put this so much better than I do. Yes, <laughs> it's about raising awareness. And if people, if a bunch of people go to... Uh, the con- either pick up a copy of the Continental, go to continentalmagazine.com, uh, and and read this article. And not to mention, not just this one. There are some extraordinary articles in this magazine. But they read it and they begin to think about this. And what if what if you have? Uh, it, it can be as simple as having a neighbor or someone you run into all the time, um, who you haven't you just haven't considered their whole personhood. If somebody is like flailing their arms or can't speak clearly, are you having conversations? Are you stopping to say hello to that person? Are you getting to know what that person is like beyond uh, the, the scariness of a disability? A lot of us don't. And by the way, I include myself. I've been scared off by trying to know somebody in a wheelchair. I've been scared off by people I can't understand. Uh, And why? I I would just say every day as a person in this country, if you do one thing that gets you a little outside your comfort zone and gets you to know somebody you might not know otherwise, that that goes a certain way towards getting rid of fear and getting rid of cancel culture. Because who do we cancel? Who do, who, who, we cancel the people who scare us who, or who anger us. And, and that's where we have to go with this kind of article, with this kind of conversation. Well, I, think, I people, think so. You know, with uh, disabilities, especially those that are um, 
readily visible. You, you mentioned someone in a chair. That's the, the most common one. That's sort of the iconic disabled person. But there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a strange thing that happens in that we avoid people like that because we're not sure what we can and can't say. And for some reason, right? There's a like, there, there's a, a it, fear. It's there's, like men asking for directions. We're afraid to just ask. <laughs> I hate asking for directions too. I, well, I think a lot of people do for that, and, I, and I'm lost all the time. But but <laughs> but but what happens is because of that tendency, we don't get past that initial. Um, discomfort that we feel that that sense of eh, i'm not sure how to how to deal with this so rather than ask i'm gonna go over here and talk to somebody that looks kind of like me that's that's it a hundred percent uh as a woman i talked to in this article said she, the, the the kind of things that that people said to her sometimes were really sort of funny and and what like she she got a lot of God. You're so pretty for a woman in a wheelchair, or she got you know. I'm so sorry. You're never going to be able to have kids. You know, like that poor you thing. Uh, and and you know, she said, "Why? Because I don't. I because I can't walk. I don't have my period. Why would they think that? But 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 that's what people hear all the time. But you know, that's it. Instead of making declarations to people. Maybe you just want to go and ask some questions. There's not a single person I talked to who had a disability who was upset if somebody asked them a question about their about their disability, about uh, you know about their lives. Not that that's necessarily your starting off point, but nobody gets mad when you ask them something uh, that shows that you're really interested in their life. Uh, at, at least that, that is not my experience. I mean, has that been your experience? It, it, does this resonate with you at all? Have you been frightened yourself oh, yeah. uh, ever to... Yeah, to... I've, I've been in situations yeah. where I've encountered people that were differently able. And it, mm-hmm. and it was... I wasn't sure what to do. And and so the the default for... People like us, Judith, that don't like to ask for directions, is is to avoid it. Right, right. That's absolutely true. And and, and I like to think I'm, that I'm telling that that over the course of my lifetime, I've gotten better at at getting past those things and just treating people like people. But I I, I don't think I could say that I'm a hundred percent there. No, me neither. And, and actually, one of the reasons that we have a fear, as you say, saying the wrong thing, but also living in in such a um, uh, a politically correct environment that people are going to snap at you for honest mistakes. And I, I think that we all, as a culture, uh, disabled, neurotypical, all of us have to uh, get past people's natural curiosity and uh, fear uh, and, and 
just nobody snap at anybody else for an honest question. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's that's the new I'm, rule. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm looking at this. That is my new. When I am empress, uh, which will happen any day now, you are not. First of all, when I am empress, we have to be off social media for half the week, and we have to meet face to face, and we have to ask each other a lot of questions. So you know that's why you should all elect me for that role. Well, you've got my vote, Judith. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm gonna, I I'm, count on it. I'm going to have to get a bumper sticker that says <laughs> Judith for Empress. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll get those made up and, uh, you know, sell them on Etsy. Let's see how I do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I urge you, I, 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 I urge everybody here to go. And you know what the other thing I, I, I've been thinking? Um, when I'm telling people, go look at this new magazine. Go look at the Continental. The, there's something else. The Continental aside, go and read something by someone whose name you can't pronounce. Because I'm telling you, I, I, there's, there's, a, it's, it, there's so many people who have wonderful stories. There's a wonderful piece in this about adopting a Roma child, Roma being a gypsy child in, in Hungary where there's an enormous um, uh, prejudice against the Roma people. It's outside of our, our uh, wheelhouse, except, you know, when we look at the, the, the prejudices in this country against black and white people, uh, black, black and brown people. All I could say is go and, and, and pick somebody um, whose name you don't pronounce, because I often will not read something just because I figure that what they're talking about bears no relation to me. Uh, and, and that's very true with a lot of the Hungarian and Central European people who are here. Well, I'm just going to mention that the uh, the article that um, Judith Newman has has written is uh, in the Continental Literary Magazine, which is available at Barnes and Noble, and I'm sure a number of other places. The, the article in uh, the the particular issue is the one that talks about prejudice, and the article is called "I'm Here, I'm Disabled." get used to it by judith newman who is my guest this hour and often described as one of the most successful american freelance writers working today she's had uh did i uh, make that description maybe i said that did you say that <laughs> but i'm glad is that part did. of your campaign for <laughs> empress <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm working on it as you can see yeah i can no she is uh Tremendously uh, prolific. She's written a number of books and, and many, many articles that have appeared in New York Times, Vanity Fair, The Wall Street Journal. What are you working on next? Uh, let's see. What am I working on that's interesting is the, uh, the, the next. I'm, uh, I'm working on helping someone with a book who is, um, shall, shall I say, Trump-adjacent. Uh, oh. uh, it, it, it's somebody in, in Trump's circle uh, who is, uh, is, is working on something right now. So I think that for those who are interested in uh, that element of, of our, uh, our political lives, you'll want to read it. But that's, that's the only thing I can, I can say well, about it right now. And otherwise, just uh, a lot, tons of articles on tons of stuff. Thank well, you for asking me. Well, let, let me let me ask this as as we wrap things up. First, let me thank you for spending the 
the time with me and the listeners this morning. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Judith, do you have a website? I do, um, and, and it's very outdated, and this will get me to go and, uh, and update it, but it's just judithnewman.com. And I, I, you can uh, look at my book, To Siri With Love, the most recent one. You can look at a bunch of articles I've done. I'm a, a columnist. Uh, I do a, a book column for the New York Times on self-help books, of all things. So you can find all of that kind of good stuff there. I write for National Geographic. Um, judithnewman.com. That would be terrific. Thank you. Well, Judith, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Much appreciated. Keep Take up, care. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. Again, that was uh, Judith Newman, author and contributing writer to more than 50 publications, including her most recent piece called I'm Here, I'm Disabled, Get Used to It, that appears in the first issue, I believe, of the uh, Continental Literary magazine and uh, I've been hearing a lot about that magazine so check that out at uh, Barnes and Noble or wherever you can get your hands on it and with that we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program Staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here this phone so tight And I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side See you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side TomSumnerProgram.com From the Tom Sumner Show oh.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. to get around, you know. I mean, I have certain obligations. Well, no, but it's a great it's a great time of year. You know, the spring of the year, you can get out and study wildlife. You know, out there where everything's wild. My dressing room is pretty wild. No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about that virgin territory. Yeah, that's it. How'd you know? No, no. Up there in the hills, oh, boy, you see some wonderful things up in those woods. Oh, yeah. That camping out is a lot of fun. You see, And you see a lot of things that you don't run into ordinarily. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're interested in that kind of, if you get interested in that kind of thing, boy, it, it can mean a lot to you. Like you like to watch birds. Huh? They have whole societies, you know, for bird watching. How do you go about that? What do you mean? You just lie out in the field. That's a good start. No, I mean, you, you lie out there with a strong pair of glasses, and you can study things, boy, and and you learn about nature. Huh. But a lot of guys start very young. When they do that. Doing what? Studying nature. Oh. Like when you were a kid, your mother told you about the birds and the bees? Well, that was my sex education. Yeah, I know, but you see... She told me about the birds and the bees when I was in the bathtub with my rubber duck. Well, did she? Yeah. There I was uh, there with the rubber duck, floating it around, and she, and she told me about the chickens. The chicken? Oh, yeah. the story of the egg. No, before the egg. Before well, the hen gets in the corner, and the rooster comes along, boom. <laughs> Boy, I understood that. Oh, no, that part you understood. Oh, the rubber duck went flying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you, you mean but to this day I can't figure flowers. What do you mean you can't figure flowers? How do flowers fool around? Oh, God. Flowers don't fool around. Come on. I figure under the ground they're going, hey, baby. Nobody ever told you about pollination. Is that where stuff's floating on the water? No, that's pollution. Oh, pollution. Pollination. Flowers have to be pollinated. The male flower has pollen, which has to be sent to the female flower. Hmm. Now, if you have a whole field of flowers, and a male flower's way over in one corner of the field, and the female's over on the other side, how do you think that pollen gets over there? I figure in the middle of the night, the male flower gets up. No, no, no. There are four ways for a flower to be pollinated. Four ways. One way is by the wind. The wind? That's right. With the flower? Certainly. The wind blows across the top of the flower, and that flower has a long, hairy stigma. And it has You're putting me. No. It has very dry pollen. Oh. And when, well, that's good. Is it good? Well, certainly, because the wind picks the pollen up and scatters it. By George. That's the wind. Now, some flowers are pollinated by insects. Insects? Insects. That flower has sticky pollen. Sticky pollen. Some flowers are pollinated by hand. There are some flowers... Holy! What's like? this one by hand? Well, that's like a gardener. The gardener fools around with the flowers? Oh, no, no. He's not fooling around. He has them in a hothouse. Sure he has. He goes by with a little brush. The dirty old man. No, he's not either. The man is a horticulturist. I'll bet he is. And that's what he does. Now, then, 
Some flowers, of course, use self-pollination. Whoops! Well, certainly the perfect flower has both male and female parts. Ain't that handy. If there's no outside agency to do the job for them, it certainly is. I guess so. But the, the, the most interesting and one of the most fascinating stories in nature is the relationship between the bee and the flower. The bee fools around with the flower? Well, the bee doesn't even know it's pollinating. You're kidding. <laughs> oh! You see, I've been that drunk myself sometimes. <laughs> I mean, for instance, you see, the bee, in the first place, doesn't know about the pollen. He's after the nectar, oh. the nectar and the flower. Oh. And, and the, remember now, the, the pollen is sticking, yeah. and the bee has furry little feet. Does that help? Well, of course it helps. Well, I'll wear my socks. No, I mean, it helps in this way. When the bee lights on the tip of the pistol... The what? The, it's a part of the flower. Oh. When he lights on the tip of the pistol, he's there to get the nectar. Oh. But the pollen sticks to his feet. Now, oh. he'll leave this flower and stop at another flower. And the pollen he's picked up on his feet from this one, he'll leave a little on that one. Oh, yeah. And, and that makes other flowers? Well, he'll cover a whole field. Well, that's what yeah. happened to Donald at the picnic. What happened to Donald at the picnic? He pollinated three girls. No, he didn't pollinate anybody. He had to move to Pittsburgh. Well, I I don't care where he is. We didn't pollinate. Have you ever seen a beehive? Sure. You know what's inside a beehive? A lot of little compartments. A little compartments. And the female bee's in there, and the male bee flies all night and says, Hey, baby. No, no, no. no. That's a honeycomb in there. Yeah. And the bee we're talking about doesn't have any sex. What? That's right. He is a worker. Yeah. His whole job is work, work, work. That's huh. all he does. Now, everybody in the bee society has a job to After do. After he works, couldn't he? No, no. no. He, I tell you, he has no sex. That's he terrible. is neuter. He's neither male nor female. Well, make up his mind. Well, no. I mean, the bees are produced from the queen. Yeah. The queen bee lives 15, 20 years, produces thousands of bees. Huh. Only has romance once. She didn't like it, huh? No, it isn't. She didn't like it. She Try it again. Her job is to. Produce. I didn't like avocados when I. That hasn't anything to do with it. It's a matter of instinct with oh. the bees. You see, have you ever heard of the nuptial flight? Is that United or the nuptial flight of the queen bee? Yeah. On the day of the nuptial flight, the drones. I didn't tell you about the drones. Those are male. You don't males. you don't see them except oh. on this one day. See, they uh -huh. stay in the hive. The other bees take care of them. Uh -huh. But on the day of the nuptial flight, the young virgin queen yeah. leaves the hive. Yeah. And she starts into life on her own, and all the drones take off after. They all go. The whole gang of them go after. <laughs> but only one of Gets her. He nails her. Well, maybe a more poetic way to put it. But you see, this he becomes what they call the prince consort to the queen. Yes. And, and, and the marriage takes place while they're in the air. I say they consummate the marriage while they're in flight. While they're flying along? Right You're here. Kidding. Yeah. No. The only way to fly. <laughs> find out what happens now, I'll tell you, because it's a fascinating process. Do you know what she does the minute it's over? She says, light me a cigarette. No. The minute it's over, she is so anxious to get started on this new life yeah. that she just takes off. She leaves him? So fast that she always takes part of him with her when she goes. The hell you say. That's right. Now, she'll get on Which part? His reproductive part. Ah! Rips it up. Why, that's terrible. Well, it's all over for him. I guess so. No, he's done his job. That's his job? That's it. He's a dummy. What are you talking about? Should have nailed her in the flower bed with Donald. Uh, <laughs> now, now, the queen will go on and never have romance again. I guess not. The word gets out. <laughs> Look out for Helen. She'll grab it and run. Uh, you don't understand anything I've told you, perhaps. <laughs> Where do you get all these dirty books? They're not dirty books. You read them in 
biology class. How are you going to learn about life if you don't read and study? Well, you don't learn about life by reading, let me tell you. You learn about life by living it. Well, you don't you don't observe as you're I don't, huh? Yeah. Oh, 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 last night I observed. What you You wouldn't believe what I saw. What? At a bar. Why, two guys sitting there hugging and kissing and holding hands. It was terrible. No kidding. I turned to the fellow I was dancing with. I said, oh, come on. Get this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Another five-minute mystery. Our story takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men were exploring and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. I hope you know how to get out to Echo Cavern, Len. Well, with the job of being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know all there is to know about these parts. Ever been in the cavern, then? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. Nearly got my hide tanned off by my paw. Echo Cavern's a mighty treacherous place. You mean it's easy to get lost in it? Not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas carbine, mm, something. You mean carbon dioxide? Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, Bing, you're out. Still, people seem to be going uh, exploring in there. More fools to be. I wouldn't go into them caverns, at least, till I was not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gaddy, your friend is dead. Oh, poor Patsy. It wasn't from the gas, was it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why'd you go into that cavern anyway? Patsy asked me to. We'd never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We tried to trace our way back, but it was no use. Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yeah, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutt and Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself, but we stuck together. You know, walking in the dark with only my flash from the car. All of a sudden, Pat's keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure, I figure it's because I'm only five foot three that I got out of there alive. Gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah, and what do you think about that, Doc Melville? I think you better arrest Mr. Gotti for the murder of his friend Patsy. What was the flaw in Gaddy's story? Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lem and Dr. Melville. And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the Doctor.
Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green Gap's jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure out how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really meant gas, you would have keeled over first, before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Another five-minute mystery. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, Sean Cantwell, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. Stay tuned to the Tom Sumner Program for future mini-mysteries. Hi, I'm Alexander Zonjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.